Uh, good morning, I'm Mark. I'm one of the pastors on the team. It is good to be with you this morning. Today is all about fruit. So there's something about fruit that, um, that we are just so drawn to. And so uh, today I really just want to ask this one simple question as we're in this Cultivate series, wrapping up this Cultivate series. What is good fruit? This last uh, several weeks, we've been working through this Cultivate series, and uh, today we're, we're looking at this one simple concept of planted or planting in order to produce. Because as gardeners, when we think about the work of preparing the soil and tilling the ground, planting the seeds and cultivating and watering, it's all for the desired outcome to produce. Produce fruit that is nourishing, And produce fruit that is multiplying. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we know that you have been in this place. Lord, we invite you to speak to us this morning. Lord, may the words that are spoken here, may they be your words. Lord, may you continue to do a work in each of us, in our community, in our world. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So over these last several weeks, we've been looking at what it means to to cultivate. Cultivate healthy rhythms of life, cultivate a healthy community. And and so we started week one with uh, this really important first step of breaking up the ground, right? Breaking up those things in our lives that must be broken up in order for God to be able to do a work in us. And then we moved on to the sowing. And if you're with us on week two, there's uh, still some Cheerios here in this bucket. But we're talking about sowing. (laughs) We're talking about sowing. And um, really, as we begin to grow, what is it that we are sowing? And then we move on to the growing. That What is actually coming up out of this soil that we've cultivated? What type of growth are we anticipating and how are we feeding that? And so uh, today we will look at the culmination of of this growing process and and seeing how fruit is the the nourishing and the, the fruit that multiplies is really what we are pursuing. And so uh, this morning I want to share two stories. I want to look at some scripture, and then uh, if you want to come up after the end, the first five people get a piece of fruit. So um, first story is uh, when I was in college, um, I, one of the best things ever is when you'd go to your mailbox, open your mailbox, and you'd pull out a pink slip, a different kind of pink slip. You'd get that pink slip, and then you would go to uh, the mailbox attendant window. That meant that you got a package, right? Anybody been there before? That meant that you received a package, best day ever. And so one time, my mom sent me a package, and it had this big old, like, Costco-sized bag of dried mangoes. Anybody had those before? And so I ran back, and uh, my two roommates and I, we spent, like, all afternoon and evening just pounding those dried mangoes, right? And so these aren't like the healthy ones from Trader Joe's that are like the unsweetened, the ones, honestly, that I love now. These were like, they're Jolly Ranchers just wrapped up in a mango, right? Like super sugary. And as you can imagine, uh, didn't feel super well that evening and definitely did not feel well even into that day. Uh, Because those mangoes were not nourishing. It didn't have the nourishing ingredients. Even though they were mangoes, they weren't nourishing to my body. And it definitely didn't want, didn't move me to want to have mangoes really any time soon because of the way that my stomach felt afterwards. 
Fast forward a couple years later, um, Lauren and I, we were on our honeymoon. Uh, we had this opportunity. All we wanted was to, uh, to go to Thailand. And so uh, for our wedding gift, my, uh, my in-laws gifted us this uh, four-night stay at this resort in Thailand. And so this is total like early married. We had no money. Um, there was this breakfast buffet at the, the hotel we were staying at. It was open from uh, 7 a.m., to 11 a.m., right? And so we're like, roll out of bed, 6.55, went down, and get this, we like brought books, we brought board games, like we were going to camp out, get our money's worth at this buffet because we paid those 30 bucks to be able to sit there, right? And so um, the best part, I'll never forget this, you got one chance, you got one mango, and they would bring you this fresh mango, probably just picked off the tree that, that morning, with this, like, sweet cream that came alongside. It was honestly, like, the best thing that I've ever had in my life. And when I look back at that experience with the mango, that mango was nourishing because it was actually the true fruit. But it also moved me to want to have another mango. It it moved me to want to experience the fruit of mangoes again. So true fruit, good fruit, is this fruit that nourishes us and also multiplies. Good fruit is both fruit that nourishes us, our bodies, and also moves us to multiply. Hear these words from Hosea 10.12. This has kind of been the verse that we've been camping at, uh, camping in throughout this series. Uh, It's from the ESV. It says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, but it, for, uh, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Reap this steadfast love, this fruit that we are in pursuit of. Uh, hear these words, same Hosea ten twelve from the NIV. It says, sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. This good fruit, this fruit of unfailing love, is fruit that both nourishes us and multiplies us. But hear this today. Just like gardening as a hobby, maybe you are a gardener yourself, or maybe you're like not a gardener at all like myself, and I've learned a lot this series— The process of gardening is sometimes more enjoyable or even cathartic than the actual produce that we get. Anybody would agree with that, maybe, if if you are a gardener? Similarly, following Jesus isn't something that we do just to reap the benefits of the fruit that comes at the end. The true treasure is the process of discipleship, becoming more like Jesus as we choose to follow him and we are shaped more and more into Christ-likeness. The process is really what Jesus is after. And yet, he says himself in John 15, This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Probably one of the most powerful images uh, throughout the, the, the New Testament that Jesus gives us that is so simple and yet has profound implications. That he is the vine and we are 
the branches. And yet the evidence of our discipleship, our apprenticeship to Jesus, following Jesus, is the fruit that we produce is this good fruit. The, 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 really the character of our discipleship comes in the fruit that we produce. But how do we determine what is good fruit? In the Hosea passage, it shows up this word, unfailing love, um, is this Hebrew word, hesed. It's a pretty common word. Anybody heard this word before? It shows up over 250 times in the Old Testament. It's translated in, in a, new, a number of different ways because we really don't have an English word that is a direct translation. But uh, here it's, it's translated as unfailing love or steadfast love or constant and ever-present Love. It's, it's, uh, it shows up in the Exodus, the promise that God has there. It shows up all over in the Psalms. And it shows up, obviously, here in the prophets. In the ways that, despite Israel's disobedience, that God remains faithful with his hesed, with his unfailing love to his people, towards you and I. And so what is this fruit of unfailing love? Fruit is simply uh, the sweet and fleshy product of a tree or plant that contains seed and can be eaten as food, right? So this fruit analogy might seem a little bit abstract sometimes in our lives. And yet, just as Pastor Nancy mentioned today in our Kairos Kids moment, Jesus offers this really tangible way that shows up through the writings of Paul and Galatians fine of, of what fruit is in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But if this fruit, if fruit is the end goal in our lives, and if, if the end goal was to simply just cultivate fruit and that's it, I, I think we'd be missing the mark of, of what Jesus is getting at when he's talking about um, he being the vine and, and we are the branches. One retired covenant pastor says it this way, In God's design, fruit is not an end in itself. It is designed to multiply while it refreshes and nourishes. Good fruit is fruit that is nourishing and is multiplying. This is true because none of the fruit of the Spirit can exist solo outside of community. Does anybody believe that? The fruit of the Spirit really can't exist with you alone, like inside a box. Like, sure, I can be, uh, extend peace and joy and patience and kindness to myself, but, but it really doesn't take root, and the fruit doesn't produce unless it's in community. Would anybody agree with that? That for us to really experience the fruit, we must be cultivated together in community. And I love this analogy because we know that that is messy. We know that that is filled with hurt. We, we know that that's filled with thorns, and yet we can't actually experience this fruit unless we cultivate it in community. Man, what, what an opportunity for us as the church, as the church in the 21st century, to be this place where true fruit can be reaped. Good fruit is fruit that nourishes us and multiplies. Hear these words from Hosea. Uh, this is the book that we've been in this whole time. And these are the last words in Hosea, the, the 14th chapter, verses 8 and 9. 
Ephraim is just one of the tribes of Israel. It says, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him, care for the people of Israel. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The way of the Lord, the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Fruitfulness, true fruitfulness, is an act of God working among us and through us as our source and provider. Take a look at this passage. Um, this is from Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So uh, my roommates and I in college, same ones that we had stomach aches together. Uh, we loved this verse because it felt like we could like really grasp onto it. Like I know that I am bettering myself when my friend is bettering himself, and vice versa. Right? Like there's this like growing together. But but truly, we like we didn't understand what that verse was because if you think about it, like ironing, sharpening itself, you're, you're being sharpened, right, in, in, in this one hand, while simultaneously you're being sharpened and sharpening the other person in the other hand. But the true kicker is that you're both in the hands of your creator. The creator, the one that is doing the sharpening is the one that is actually bringing this true growth in your life. Yes, your, your friend or the other person is part of that process, but The beauty of it is that you're both in the hands of your creator. God is our source of fruitfulness. And so uh, it rings true. These words ring true that your fruitfulness comes from me. We can't experience fruit by ourselves. Even if we have great community around us. We can't actually experience this good fruit, as the Proverbs say, unless we are in the hands, together, simultaneously, with our Creator. And so I think about that, uh, this, in the context of, of this, this peach, right? Um, this fruit is nourishing because it comes from a nourishing source, not QFC, like the actual tree, right? Uh, peaches are delicious and nourishing, but they are nourishing because the peach tree is what is healthy, Strong can provide source of nourishment to the fruit. God is the source of our fruitfulness. We experience nourishing fruit when we establish our source in God. Good fruit is is, uh, sourced from a nourishing tree. But what does that mean when we begin to, to multiply, and when we begin to look at the harvest for next year. Good fruit is the evidence of flourishing, but good fruit cannot produce more good fruit on its own. Good fruit cannot produce more good fruit on its own. It requires an orchard and all the necessary elements to yield more good fruit. So here, here's a very tangible question for us. That's Pine Lake Covenant Church. Uh, uh, actually, just next weekend, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary as a church, right? And so we still, it's awesome. We still have, uh, have people in this community that, um, that were part of that charter. And, and yet, um, I think oftentimes, we, we think about the ways in which fruit was reaped in previous seasons. And, and we think that those same things will just provide the next fruit. So, right, like, the fruit of the last 40 years, we think that that will just, 
like automatically produce fruit for days and days to come, right? Like if this pear could just like multiply itself to become another pear. We, we oftentimes like operate in that way, especially as humans, but sometimes as the church. Wouldn't it be so nice if this pear could just replicate itself? And yet there's this secret, there's this secret throughout the last 2,000 years of church history, um, there's this theologian, her name's Phyllis Tickle. Yeah, I know, like the coolest name ever. Um, she has this, uh, this observation where approximately every 500 years, something like really, really important cat- uh, really catalyzes a movement in the church. And, and that's evident approximately in the last uh, 2,000 years, every 500 years. So uh, in a year like 320 is when um, Constantine uh, began to uh, recognize Christianity as like the, um, the religion of the known Roman world. And, and then a little bit more than 500 years later, but in 1066, when we had the, the split, the schism between the Eastern Church and the Western Church, and maybe some of us are familiar with um, the Reformation in 1517, where there was all this work to, to reclaim what it means to have living faith, a vibrant faith that we see in scriptures um, as the church. And so if you play that out, 500 years from 1517 would be about when we are now. Of course, it's, it's not this like, um, programmatic thing, but we can kind of see that, would anybody agree that, that God is up to something in this day and age? That we don't know exactly what that is, and yet the secret to, the, to, uh, to church history the last 2,000 years is that what we do to cultivate the Spirit of God has never changed. And that is a promise. This, this good soil that we talk about, this community, has always and forever will be one of the bedrock foundations of what it means to be the church, to cultivate in good soil. And, and the seed that we sow are, are really just the gifts of the Spirit that God has given each and every one of us, that the soil can do nothing without our gifts being planted and being cultivated and being harvested. Really just the watering and the pruning, these are these practices of life following Jesus, reading scripture, praying, being in community. These are these practices that ultimately help us grow. And then finally, this fruit of love and joy and peace. This fruit is what comes when we bear witness to the ways in which the church has been, is, and forever will be the hope of the world because Jesus is working among us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this good fruit is fruit that nourishes us and multiplies us. Um, I, uh, Lauren and I have lived here almost four years, and um, something really interesting happened um, the spring, the first spring that we were here, so the spring of 2019. Uh, I was out uh, taking, uh, it was like a morning jog or something, and um, I saw this big landscaping crew. They were coming, and um, they were like doing some major, major landscaping. Uh, it was over in Kalhani, and they were just like ripping out bushes. They were ripping out like all these things. And um, I got up closer, and I realized that they were like tearing out blackberry bushes. And I was like panicked. I was like, what in the world? I'm this like kid from Colorado. Blackberries don't exist there, at least like they do here. I was like panicked. I was like, why are you taking up the fruit? Because I remember back in August, like I spent 24 hours straight just like picking blackberries. Anybody that been there before, I was like, why would you be taking out this luscious, this nourishing fruit, 
that multiplies everywhere. So then I started to do a little bit more research, right? And you guys all know this, but blackberries impact the environment and agriculture. Blackberries form dense thickets that exclude native species, leading to its complete dominance of the vegetation and the understory, and eventually the canopy. The thickets also limit people's access. They also alter fire regimes and really just begin to dominate the landscape. And so fruit even if it's healthy and nourishing, isn't always automatically deemed good fruit. Even though, I mean, come on, blackberries, like, so good, so good. But hear these words from Hosea 10. He says, But you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten the fruit of lies. You have eaten the fruit of lies, trusting in your military might. Believing that great armies could make your nation safe. If we're honest, we oftentimes have blackberry-like tendencies as humans, as the church. Where selfishness or self-centeredness consumes us and we find ourselves just looking out after ourselves. We find ourselves impeding or blocking other people's experience of flourishing. Intentionally or even unintentionally. Sometimes we, the things in our lives that are, are not producing good fruit are difficult to eradicate. And maybe you even become codependent or all-consuming. Maybe we experience toxic relationships within your community, with your, your friends, and your toxicity becomes all-consuming. I used to like blackberries a lot more. Now they don't sound as good. But might there be an alternative Might there be a different way of flourishing that doesn't include being this invasive species? How might we produce this good fruit to cultivate flourishing around us? So I just want to offer uh, these, these two really practical steps for us as a church. To seek the flourishing that we've been working up towards in this cultivating series. We seek flourishing where we are sent. Pinelake Coming to Church has this long-standing relationship um, with the Campbell Farm. It's this working farm on the Yakima Nation in Wapato, Washington. We usually send middle school, high schoolers there um, for, I don't know, over a decade. And so we built these long-standing relationships. And so this last summer, this is a, just a photo of a couple of our leaders and students that um, joined alongside a, a local um, relief effort to uh, be able to clean up this person's home that just wasn't in, in the physical condition to clean up their yard and to clean up the outside. And, and so really what we do, we, we showed up as students that don't have like any of these special gifts and we just come alongside what God is already doing there to experience the flourishing that takes place for this one family in Wapato, Washington. And for maybe, for, for some of our students, it, it really was a transformative experience because they got to see a whole other side of the kingdom of God that maybe they hadn't seen before. But, but I tell you, for that family, it was life-changing. Not only because they had their yard cleaned up, but because they got to experience the kingdom of God playing out firsthand with a couple of kids and leaders from the other side of the state just coming to be present with them. There's this mutual exchange of flourishing when we flourish where we are sent. I have a, a friend 
who, um, he's way more of a gardener than I am. He's actually another one of my roommates. He's actually uh, Sammamish PD, uh, but he, he loves to garden. He lives down in Covington, and, uh, and so he's always telling me about, like, these new gardening things. I'm like, dude, I wish I knew what you're talking about, but I don't. Um, but he began to tell me uh, this story um, about the three sisters, right? It's this, um, this Native American um, tradition or, or way of uh, the agrarian life where you plant um, squash, corn, and beans— Together. Is anybody familiar with companion planting? Maybe this, this concept if you are a, a farmer or uh, if you like to garden yourself. But the, the whole promise or the whole premise behind companion planting is that in, in order, uh, or when you plant the squash, the squash begins to thrive because the corn and the beans have nutrients and have uh, tendencies that ultimately help the squash to grow and vice versa. And so it's this beautiful trio where when one begins to grow and to flourish, the other begins to grow and to flourish. And so when I heard my, my friend tell me that the first time, I was like, I don't know anything about gardening, but that'll preach, so I'm going to use that someday, and I'm using that today. But how beautiful is that? That is the picture of what we are trying to cultivate. As opposed just, I mean, they're good, but those blackberries, I'll never look at them the same because it's not the picture of what we're pursuing in the kingdom of God. And so there's this invitation for you. I don't know if you uh, practice this, but um, Ash Wednesday is coming up. And um, in, uh, in my tradition, I, growing up, I didn't even really recognize that. And yet, uh, at Pine Lake Covenant Church, we think that there's deep, deep value in marking these 40-plus days um, from Ash Wednesday to Easter to prepare ourselves, to prepare our hearts for a coming King, Jesus being resurrected from the dead. And so the invitation for you these next several weeks um, will uh, we'll be coming more this week. You'll have more information to, to really see what we want to offer as a community to practice Lenten practices. But it's an opportunity for you to reconnect with the vine, if that's what you're pursuing, or, or maybe seeing how you might be invited to abide in the vine for the very first time to walk with Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to proclaim that Jesus is Lord for the very first time in your life. Maybe this opportunity is is 40 days to contemplate a desire that that you want to be baptized, that God is calling you to take that next step of baptism. Simply just a journey, invited on a journey to follow Jesus with others. And so may that be true for the community, for ourselves that we are cultivating, that we are cultivating this companion planting, leaving behind this blackberry invasive species tendency that we sometimes have and pursuing this good, good work that God desires to do in us and through us through the power of the Holy Spirit. May we choose to abide in the true vine, aligning our lives to the life of Jesus so that then and only then may we cultivate a flourishing that will produce fruit both now and fruit to come. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we recognize the ways in which you have been at work during the series, during this process of, of breaking up and cultivating new life in our lives, in our church community, and in our world. Lord, would you bring this fruit that you are offering to us, that we have this choice to cultivate this fruit in our lives. Lord, would you just bring that 
to flourish. Lord, may our lives be reflections of you. And in that, Lord, may we produce this good fruit. Lord, we ask that you would continue to do a work in and through each one of us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus.